Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. Welcome back to Hollywood Dreammaker. I am super excited to introduce my guests. You may know them from films such as Oscar winning The Usual Suspects, Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers. He directed his own film, Doughboys. Some of his television credits include 24, where he played the lovable computer systems analyst Edgar Stiles. In addition, Lewis has had recurring characters on television series The Sopranos, where he played the tough New York federal agent Skip Lapari. Other credits include Entourage, Las Vegas, Easy Street, CSI, you name it, he's done it. He's also a writer, he's a producer, he's a director, he's a cook, he's an all-around guy. I'm super <laughs> excited to, to have you on the show. Welcome to Hollywood Dreammaker, Louis Lombardi. Thank you, man. Thank you for that great introduction. Wow, yeah. I want to put my top hat on. That's great. <laughs> it's good to see you, brother. It's been a long, long time. Yes, man. It's good to see what you're doing, too, trying to motivate kids and, and help people go in, in the direction of their dreams. That's yeah. a, beautiful, a beautiful thing, yeah. So the other night I'm watching television, I'm flipping through whatever, I don't know where, where, where it was, and, and uh, I came across uh, the series you're doing right now, or that you have on the air, is it Gravesend? Gravesend, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I binge watch Gravesend, you know, and, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, that's my old stopping grounds, wow. you know, so, so it was cool, you know, to, to see, you know, and it's got a lot of great actors, it's got James Russo in it, and then Paul Ben Victor, you know, I mean, they just, they had a really good cast, you know, guys that I know. Yeah, yeah, those are great actors, those are buddies of mine, you know, and I was like, when I did, the, when we did the series, I was dice, uh, haunted on getting those guys in there, you know. Yes. So I noticed there was a producer credit, so you graduated. I yeah, I was the executive producer as well, I was starring it, and I was the executive producer. Awesome. Well, wonderful work on that. I really enjoyed your work on it. I'm looking forward to more episodes. Are they are more well, coming? Yeah, well, that's what he's trying to do now. It looks like he might get like another season. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's something that we did. It turned out to be a fun project. Started out. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now people actually, you know, it was something you do. And you go, oh, wow, it's a period piece in New York. Really hard to do to repl replicate the 80s in New York, in Brooklyn or anywhere now. And, you know, it turned out to be great. People actually loved it. I mean, I was getting calls from people that are in the business and real street guys that were like, hey, man, this thing is great. I was like, really? So, you know, you got it was, it was like people really liked it from both sides of the world, from that world and from Hollywood world. So we got lucky, you know, you got blessed sometimes. It was very authentic, you know, I mean, the cars, the caddies, the, you know, I mean, right. the wardrobe, everything, you know, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in, you know, running around Benson. I used to cruise the L, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I used, to, I used to cruise the L at 16 in a stolen caddy. Is that 86th Street? Yeah. Because yeah. he did another documentary, the same guy, Willie. He did a documentary called Cruising 86th Street. Well, there you go. Joe, the, yeah, you had Joe Coy, you had all these great people doing interviews. Not That's awesome. A documentary I, about that. You know, I, I got to see that. It's called Cruising yeah, the L. Cruising 86th Street and the same guy. And this that's, is that's like, William DeMeo, right? William DeMeo, yeah. And what you just said is what all the guys came on. I remember cruising under the L. That's what made me think of it. That's why I said that. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he's got in the opening credits. He's got Spamoni Gardens. He's got, you know, he's got the neighborhood. <laughs> so, I mean, he's definitely from the neighborhood. Yeah, I ate my way to Brooklyn for the two months I was there. <laughs> it was great. It was There's great. some I good food, you know, good it food. It was great. The people were great. Everything was great. It, it was great being in Brooklyn. I, I really haven't been in Brooklyn my whole life. I'm from the Bronx. So, you know, you know how that is. You don't go to Brooklyn. You don't go to, sure. Brooklyn, you don't go to Queens. You know, you're in New York. Hey, you stay in Brooklyn. <laughs> or Manhattan. That's it. Yeah, Brooklyn, that's it. Bronx, or Manhattan. Right. That's what you do, you know. 
But uh, yeah, so it was a great time. I had a great time shooting that movie, uh, that series, and hopefully it comes back, which they're trying to get now. And uh, I'll be really excited to get back there. That's awesome. So I want to go back. I want to go back to the beginning. You know, it's called Hollywood Dream Maker Podcast. You know, I, I created it to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. I've had some amazing guests, you know, Academy Award winning writer, Bobby Moresco, you know, some great actors. Well, I, on did board. Easy, I did Easy Streets with Bobby Moresco. Yeah, yeah. first show. I know. That was a great show. I was on that. Yeah, I know. That was, you, you had a nice character on that, too. Yeah, yeah. Bobby goes back to the Javits Center with, uh, with me. Wow. You know, before Hollywood, the Jacob Javits Center, Bobby yeah. would work, I would work in there. It's kind of funny, you know? That's I, crazy. So, yeah, and then we met out here. It's all Mike Starr, Mike Starr we met through, and all those guys. And, uh, yeah, we used to hang out all the time, me and Maresco. Good guy, man. Really good guy. guy. I want to go back to the beginning. How, how does a guy from the Bronx achieve the dream? I mean, become, a, I mean, you, 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 first off, you've been on some really big TV shows. I mean, you know, 24 was a hit series. You know, you had a nice role on that. I don't know. Yeah. I just, you did like 37 episodes or something like yeah, that. I did like, I did yeah, so you, you had, you had a two year run on Emmy a, for that. Uh, an yeah. Emmy. I mean, you had a hit, hit, hit show. And then you, you were also on the Sopranos, which was a monster hit. You've entourage. I mean, you've done a, a lot of, really big projects and you've had some really great roles. So let me ask you a question. So how does a guy like you from the Bronx come out to Hollywood and become a working actor? Well, growing up in the Bronx, I've always wanted to be an actor, not just coming to Hollywood. I mean, I've been doing it since I'm 13. I have headshots. And what I used to do was, you know, I never, I never really went to school. I never went to acting school. I never went to film school. What I did was as growing up in the Bronx, you know, everybody would, would shit on your dreams. Oh, you want to be an actor? What's that? What's that? In every, in every neighborhood, not just in the Bronx, but most people, they don't, they don't, they don't follow because they're afraid to take chances. You know, that's the biggest problem with, with people is they're afraid to take chances because of the negative feedback and rejection they get from their friends, family, and everybody closest to them. And my biggest thing I tell young actors now, you want to be successful in anything? Don't listen to your friends, your family, or anyone. Follow your heart and your dreams because... If you're passionate about something, it will come through. Most people don't follow their dreams and they don't want you to. So they'll kind of, not that they'll be mean about it, but they won't be positive and support your dreams. As a kid, all my buddies were street guys. All my friends and family were in jail. You know, everybody I knew was in jail. My grandfather did 30 years. All my friends did 25 years. So as I was like 12, 13 years old, I started getting my headshots done. It was always something I had. I never did anything else for, for a living you know, ever. I'm 53. So what I would do was there was a magazine called Backstage at the time. It's, I don't know if it's still around. Backstage. Sure. Yeah, now it's online. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a hit to hit for me, bro. But so what I would do is I would get out Thursday morning, 12 o'clock when Backstage came out in my neighborhood and I would send, you know, I, would get my, I had my headshots done and I would send to every single thing in that paper, every independent film, every student film, NYU film, everything. I would just send, even if it said 25 little skinny guy, black, <laughs> I would just submit shit. You know why? Because I always said, maybe they see you for something else. Sure. Maybe there's something else in that project that you'll get submitted for. Don't limit yourself. Just send it. What are they going to do? Throw you a 10 cent headshot out? Okay. But if you get a shot, it, it, it kind of pays for that, right? So I would just send it to everything. And I ended up doing about 10 or 15 NYU films. And I would do is, 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 is I, was learn, I would learn how to act for free, not in a classroom, but in a real live set. These films were $50,000, $100,000 these kids were making at NYU. This is in, I was 18, 17, 18, 19, 20. So we're doing mid-80s. And, and these kids were filmmakers. So I would learn on set. And I tell kids now, yeah, okay, a classroom is great for fundamentals. Being, but when you're on a set, how many people are on a set? A hundred? A real movie, right? Sure. You're in an acting class. You don't get that real vibe of what a set is. You might have five or six or ten actors in there bouncing. You can be a great actor in your bathroom. You can cry all day. But when you're on a set, I call it distraction. Acting is distraction. You're on a set. What's going on? Your shirt, your hair, your makeup, your last line. Change your line. Don't move this way. Don't move that way. Action. It's processing 50, 60 things within a 10, 15, 20 second time frame, correct? Sure. You know, so that alone, I think, distracts people, actors, you know, they're not used to it. They're in a classroom going, yeah, I'm crying in a, in a, in a room. But when you get to a set, 
you got lights, camera, action. You got a hundred people screaming at you every way, from the DP to the director to the writer to the wardrobe to the makeup to the hair. Right before they say action, what are people doing to you? Touch up, touch up, touch up. Hey, don't move to the left too much. Hey, remember this. Don't do. So I kind of consider acting distraction. You have to overcome that. So what I did was I started audition for NYU films. Smart. And I did, and I did so many, and I learned how to make films at seventeen, eighteen for free. I learned how to act for free. You know, I didn't have money growing up to go to acting school and film school and all this stuff. You know, I went from the Bronx. I went to sixth grade. So I hustled that every single day for 10, 12 years. I want to I rewind a little bit, though. Before you got the headshots, like before you said, okay, I'm, I want to get some headshots. When did the, the bug bite you? Like you knew, like, okay. 70s. 70s. Rocky. Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> yeah. Godfather, Odd. What really made me become an actor was a show called The Odd Couple. Yeah, most kids won't remember it. Sure, Gary Marshall was my idol. He's from the Bronx, not too far from me. In 1979, he had three of the top shows on TV: Walk and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, and Happy Days. Yeah. Okay, this is a guy who was, I, I used to watch the Odd Couple as I was seven, six, seven, eight, nine years old, and I would be watching that up until now. I still have my old DVD on my TiVo. That was a show that really propelled me into acting. I always wanted to be like, I always wanted, I was, I, I would watch that up until recently. I watch it all the time, bro. Hundreds of episodes. I just rewatch every one. I can know your words. And so that kind of got <laughs> me. And I was, I didn't went to school. So my mother would give me and my brother $5. I would take half. He would take half. And he would go out and do whatever. And I would go to the movies alone in Parkchester in the Bronx. I would take the train at 10 years old, 11, 9, 10 years old, get on the train, go to the movies and sit there. Fordham Road. So what I did was I would I used to go to the movies all the time. I hated school. And I don't encourage not going to school. So let's not go, oh, I'm telling I'm not telling no one not to go to school, but find what you love and go after it. If you don't have passion, people go, what's your success story? Me, I'm passionate. Passion, 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 then knowledge. Because if you get into a room and people will believe you and they will follow you. Guess what? You've won 80% of the battle. And then knowledge is the other 20%. Know what you're talking about. Even in business, you know, let people, when you get in that room, people, wow, my God, look at his energy. And then you start spewing knowledge and you're correct at what you're spewing. People will follow. People will participate in, in that, in following somebody like that. But if you're going, oh, well, I don't know if I want to be an actor. How many people are going to want to be behind you? You know, so I was always passionate. I did. A, there was a book in New York. You probably remember this called Faces International. Yeah. And I did that first, you know? And I put like a thousand dollars. People were like, you got scammed, you got scammed. Okay. But it was still a process to get to the next level. So all those films I did, those mm. independent films, those NYU films, those, you know, all that stuff I did, right? About 21 years old, we got an audition for an independent movie. Okay, this is why nothing's too big Nothing's too small. That's when people go, I got a small role. I'm like, you, you don't, don't belong in acting. Leave. Nothing's too small. If you have passion and you got driving, you show up 100 miles an hour. So I do this. I audition for this independent film. Okay? And, and as I do, right, Mira Savino is the casting person. Okay? You know, she's nobody. She's like, just a, her dad put up money. Her dad put up some money for the film. About friends, right? And we go in, me and Frank met at this audition. Frank, you were just talking about Frank. We met at this audition. The role was one. Rob Weiss was directing it. He met me, he met Frank. We auditioned for the same role. Turns out that they split the role. I mean, this was career-changing stuff. We didn't know. We did well, okay, me and Frank met. We would go to each other's houses and we would rehearse together. We became brothers, basically. So what happened was that we auditioned for this film. We booked the role. We auditioned. It's an independent film. No money. Nothing. Nothing. It was not the movie. Mira was casting it, so she knew the lines. The lady who was supposed to be in the movie, the girl, bailed out. And as we were about to shoot the movie, we had no female lead. So Mira says, I'll do it. I know the stuff, right? Almost by accident. Not almost, but by accident. We shoot the movie. Okay, everything's done. Two years later, we don't hear nothing. We get a call from the director, Rob White. He's like, yo, man, this film is going to a Sundance. It's a film festival in Utah. And at the time, 
most of my buddies had just gotten arrested. Like 46 of them. 46 of my friends had just gotten arrested. And I was in the Bronx by myself. And I was like, wow, there's no one around anymore. There's nothing here. What do I do? I go, okay, I'm going to take whatever little money I have. I had a car. And me and Frank got in the car. And we drove from the Bronx to L.A. <laughs> me and Mira, <laughs> fiasco there. But me and Mira Savino then and Frank get in a car from L.A. and drive to Sundance. Right? This was within a week. It was like 93? Yes. 93. January of 93. Wow. We drive to Sundance, me and Mira, in a snowstorm in a car this big that took us 15 hours to get there. It was crazy. Anyway, we get there. Now, remember, I was doing NYU films. I did this little independent film that Sundance Film Festival at the time was a film festival, not a film market like it is today. You know, today it's like I made a little movie. It's Brad Pitt, Scorsese, De Niro, and Pacino. It's a little thing. No, when I went, the class who came out when I went, Brian Singer, Jennifer Lynch, Robert Rodriguez. I mean, we had a class. I mean, that's when filmmakers were coming out of Sundance, you know? Yeah. So we go there. Remember, I'm a kid from the Bronx. No, you're nothing. I just show up to Sundance. Off film airs. Boom. Took over the festival. I mean, it was like the biggest film at the festival that year. Among friends, I immediately got an agent. Now, remember, if I don't take the shot and drive from the Bronx to Utah, I never have anything. If I say, no, I'll wait, I would have never had anything. You get it? So I took the shot. No money, nothing. Come back to L.A. Now, growing up, my idol was Oliver Stone. You know, Oliver Stone was my filmmaking idol. Not Scorsese, not Coppola. Oliver Stone, he makes these realistic, hardcore, gritty films. And I want to be a filmmaker as much as an actor. Even now. I mean, I'm already in, in motion of doing several things. So I get, get to our Sunday, blows up. And that's how Mira started. Robert Redford saw her at Sundance and put her in Quiz Show by accident because she wasn't supposed to be the lead in the movie. You get it? Get it. So now we come back and I'm in LA. We're getting this hype. I got an agent immediately in, in, in Sundance, right? I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know, I'm you and NYU friends. Now I'm in like in Hollywood. Rob calls me. He's like, yo, Louie. He goes, Oliver Stone wants to meet me. Can you drive me to the meeting in Santa Monica? I was like, are you kidding? Got him. Pick them up, take them to the meeting. I'm in the meeting. I walk into Oliver's office. Now, remember, my idol is Oliver Stone. Two days into it, I'm, I'm there with him. Come on. <laughs> so, wait, it gets better. So, I'm in the room with him, and I'm like, I'm just quiet. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sitting with Oliver Stone. Oh, my God. Like, I'm watching him talk, and I'm like, this is like a surreal moment in my life. At the end of the meeting, he's like, hey, I love your look. I saw you in Among Friends. I'm going to use you in my next movie. I was like, I had no union card, nothing, bro. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, don't worry, you'll hear from me. I was like, wow. A couple of weeks go by, I'm like, ah, Hollywood sucks. Everyone's lying to me. I didn't hear from him. About a month later, I get a call, come to my office. Remember, I'm a kid from the Bronx, no union card, nothing. I show up at his office. Who's there? Woody Harrelson, Robert Downey, Tommy Lee, Juliet Lewis, Tom Sizemore. And they're all sitting there. And I show up. And they're like, hey, Louie, how you doing? I'm like, <laughs> Gotta remember, a week ago I'm in the Bronx. A month ago I'm in the Bronx. I love it. Now I'm in Hollywood, sitting in a room with these people. He put me in Natural Born Killers, and he was calling actors in to pair me up with. So I'm sitting there at a table like this with Oliver, I mean with Downey, Woody, Oliver, everybody, and I'm at a table with these people, and everyone who's coming in are, are actors that I idolized. I'm going hi, and they go, I was like, yeah, relax, relax. I'm like, I like him. I was like, because they were pairing me up with another security, another guard in the prison. Turns out, Oliver flies me out to Chicago. Three months in Chicago, hung out every single night with, I mean, good buddies with Downey and Tom Sizemore and all of them. I ended up playing Tommy Lee Jones's deputy. I mean, this is my first movie. I wasn't even in the union. Oliver pays for me to get in the union. It was like $1,100 at the time. Nice. That's why I got into the union. So my dream of, of, looking at this guy, Oliver Stone, and going, this guy's my idol, ended up starting my whole career. Unintentional. You get what I'm saying? Just, oh, I get it. What do you call that? You, uh, it's the law of attraction. You've attracted that. You, you, you visioned right? it. You saw it. You believed it, and it happened. Yeah. And first, yeah. The first person I met is him. The first yeah. role I got was from him. Listen, you know what I mean? So I, I go to Chicago with him. I'm there for months. No script, no nothing. He's like, I'm just going to tell you what to say. I was hanging out with them every night, going out to restaurants and bars and clubs with them. I mean, it was insane. It was a surreal moment in my life going, this is incredible. 
right? Okay. Shoots natural bone killers. He pays for my union card. I go back to a new monk's friends from here. all the same summer. Okay, I'm done. I come back to LA. Once people saw that Oliver Stone hired me, I got hired by Ivan Reitman, Beverly Hills Cup Three, John Landis, Tim Burton. I did all these movies back to back to back to back to back for like seven years. Brian Singer. I, I remember. I remember watching you blow up. It was awesome. So, so again, a lot of this was by accident and by taking the shot. Yeah, I, didn't, well, I was from the Bronx and I didn't say the heck with it and go. Would I have been successful? Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. But so, that, me saying the heck with it and driving and taking the shot kind of propelled my career. Well, you took massive action, man. You jumped yeah. in the car and you said, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to do this. Didn't know anyone, you know? Didn't exactly. Know anyone. Listen, I mean, that's my story. You know, I came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket, no one way ticket. I, I, I was running the streets of Brooklyn, messing up, you know, in that life or whatever, thinking I wanted yeah. to be a wise guy. So my friend gets shot in the head in front of me, looked at him on the ground, bleeding out. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go. So, so I was at the racetrack, won a couple hundred bucks. I bought a one way ticket to Hollywood. I told my friends, hey, I'm going to be an actor. Everybody laughed at me, told me it couldn't be done. You know? Me too. They yeah. laughed at me. Yeah, but 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 literally my first audition in Hollywood and and, and this is the, this is a beautiful thing that you talked about was look, you didn't you didn't have money to go to school, right? You know, you but you right. did train. I tell my actors all the time, yes, go find out, find the film schools, find the seniors that are graduating, they're doing their senior film project, they're gonna need actors. Those are the future big time directors, those future Steven Spielbergs. You wanna yeah. get into those right. projects because it's about relationships, it's about training, it's on the job training. So you did all that on the job training yeah, that gave right. you the confidence to say, you know what, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make this move and I'm gonna go to, to Hollywood. You know, you did a little film for no money, you know, no. a non-union film for no money, but that non-union film led to you being discovered by Oliver Stone. Now, you right. were an Oliver Stone fan. This is the guy. This is your, So what you did is you, you envisioned Oliver Stone, and guess what happened? The universe conspired to bring you and Oliver together. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. Like, I tell you, remember, remember the TV series The Fall Guy? Yeah, with Lee Majors and the so here, here I am. I'm 17. I, I was running. I ran away from home at 15. I was running the streets, you know. And then I got pinched for some. I I got in trouble. My my mother had to pick me up, and I was I had to go back to my mother's house. And I'm watching TV, and I'm watching this show, The Fall Guy, with Lee Majors and the Hollywood or whatever. But I have this, I, I, I vision myself coming out and, you know, being a, an actor. You know, I wanted to be like, I could see myself doing that, right. you know. So I come yeah. out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket, run out of money real fast. I start banging on doors, looking for ages, knocking. I got a list from Screen Actors Guild, all the ages. I went down through the A's, the B's, doors slamming in my face, the C's. I finally found an agent at Y, Bob Yenna's talent agency, a rinky-dinky agency that, you know, when I met with them, I was literally walking out the door going, this guy, forget about it. But he, on the way out, he says, wait, wait, wait. He says, there's a role on a show, the guest starring role on a show called The Fall Guy. I went, what? The character's name was Billy. It was guest starring. He's a, a street kid that's trying to bully kids to do PCP and all this other shit. I go in there. I rock the audition. I get, I get Taff Hartley. I get the part. Now, the fact is, I visioned myself doing it, and then there I was doing it. It's like I climbed into my television. Same thing with Who's the right. Boss. I used to watch Who's the Boss when it first came out. It was a fan of Tony Danza's from Taxi, you know, and, and then Who's the Boss came out. Well, I came out to Hollywood. Guess what? I got cast on Who's the Boss. I was fucking working. We are working together all the time. I grew up Rocky, Sylvester right. Stallone. That inspired me as a young to go for it. I had a tiger, whatever. You know, we, we used to do Who's the Boss. We used to play after our table reads. We go play golf at Witsit, who's, who's there? Yeah. Me, Sylvester Stallone. I, I used to go to Witsit all the time. Yeah, so here I'm playing golf, and I'm looking, I'm going, how the hell did I get from Brooklyn, where I was, and here I am playing golf with Tony Banta and Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what you're doing and what you're seeing, and, and you know, uh, what do they call that? Oh, shit, I can't think of it right now. You got to vision but, it. You got to see it. Yeah. See it, you gotta believe what you're seeing too. Don't just make it a pipe dream, you know. Yeah. So wait, so it gets, the story gets cr more, more like how my real career started with all those shows you were talking about. So I'm out here, I do all these movies. 
things are going good, right? I'm going, this is great. My first thing in Hollywood, okay, I'm working on my idol. I do all these great directors. So now that this film comes along called Suicide King that I did, okay? You, know, you hear about it? With, yeah, 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 sure. So I'm supposed to be a big role in the movie. My buddy was a producer, writer of it. And he's like, really, we want you to be in this movie. The director didn't want me for this role. The men of the main roles with Frank again. Frank was in it. So they didn't want me in the big role. He's like, the director's like, no, no, I want Brad Garrett and Frank. It's like, okay, right? My writer called me, the writer producer called me, like, Louie, please just do a day on this movie for me. No lines. You're going to see with Dennis Leary. He has five page monologue. You just go, yeah, boss, you know, and, and, and you do it. He goes, do me a favor. So I go, okay, of course I will, you know. I get to set. Dennis, it's one night. Dennis Leary's like, hey, man, tell the director, can I talk to you? Now I'm sitting there going, okay, the director didn't want me in the movie, right? Dennis Leary comes and goes, me and this guy are going to improvise. We don't, I don't want to say these five pages of lines. The guy's like, what do you mean? You got it? Because I'm not. Dennis Leary says, I'm not. <laughs> it's a true story. So I'm sitting there going, smiling, going, okay, you know, it was great. I get the call with Leary. It's a car, not one night scene, 12 hours, driving around the blocks, we're being pulled. We start improvising. We started improvising. Everything. So the end of the night, over the director's like, yeah, we're probably not going to use any of this, blah, 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 blah. I don't get to it. I was like, okay, whatever, whatever. It's cool. You know, that is what it is. And about two months later, they're editing. I get a call. The, the director's like, hey, man, I need you to come in, bro. I go, why? He goes, just come in. Now, the guy wasn't really, you know, he was kind of like not nice to me. You know, he's kind of just, he was kind of full. But now I go in to see the stuff at the grouping. And I'm in eight scenes. <laughs> All those scenes are improvised. They actually, the writer got a deal to write a movie for me and Leary for live entertainment. Before. He sold a script with me and Leary from those characters. I had no lines. Turned out they put me throughout the whole movie, if you see it. I'm in all these scenes throughout the movie. They took those one night and they put it here, they put it there, they put it. So it looks like I'm in the whole movie. Okay? Long story short, George Ann Walken sees the movie. Christopher Walken's wife. She's mm -hmm. the casting. She goes, oh, my God, Louie, you're great in the movie. We love you. We want to try to put you on our new show we're doing. Sopranos. The Sopranos. <laughs> I go, yeah. So I go in. I audition for the big pussy role. Okay? I go in. I audition. Brillstein Gray. I, I leave. About a month later, I get a call from Barry Sonnenfeld, who's doing a show called Fantasy Island, the remake, with Malcolm McDowell. Wow. It's in Hawaii. Yeah. So I auditioned for that, and I get it immediately, Fantasy Island, my first TV series. So now, besides Paul Haggis's show we were talking about, Easy Street was my first kind of show. The next one was Fantasy Island, so I couldn't do Sopranos that season. I got hired. I went moved to Hawaii. And before that, I wrote, directed, and starred in this short film called The Boss. Before it all, I would have, I would have been, if I didn't get Fantasy Island, I would have been directing. Because after I shot this short film, Peter Green was in it, Mike Starr, my buddy Frank, or everybody was in this short film I did, right? Shot Walter Roxbury on Sunset Boulevard. Okay, long story short, that takes off. I mean, Gandolfini came to the premiere. This is 90, I used to hang out with Gandolfini way before Sopranos. I know him since 97, six, five, you know? And we used to hang out and stuff. So my, my premiere at this thing was 400 people came to the screening. I got called from HBO, Colin Callender at the time, to direct a thing called Subway Stories. I think it was Rosie Perez was doing them. Anyway, I was going to start directing stuff. I got I went to Hawaii, so it pulled me out of Hollywood. But I got to star on an ABC show, me and Malcolm playing Tattoo and Mr. Rock on the remake of Fantasy on for Barry Sonnenfeld. So I'm like, this is great. The show tanks. It's a massive bomb. Huh. Again, when things look worse... So you were a tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... But my point is, I went there, I'm going, I don't know why, I'm, this, I'm getting paid a ton of money, you know, then you were getting paid. Now you, get, yeah. you get serious regular money, that's yeah. good money. And I was a star of the show, and so they wrote a lot of me. Anyway, long story short, the show cancels, it bombs, it bombs. And they're blaming me. Oh, yeah, you're not funny. I'm going, okay, okay, what do you want me to do? So now I'm going, wow, this was a great year, I made a ton of money, I'm, I'm in this show. I go, the show gets canceled, I go, it was Christmas time, I go, I'm going to go back to see my mom for Christmas, you know, let me go. You know, lick my wounds. Okay, I was on a show. You get that. You know, if you're on a successful show with bombs, it's kind of like, oh, misery a lot, you know, because sure. everything is failing. I'm in New York a week. Not even. A few days. Georgianne Walken goes, Louis in New York? Put my agent. She's like, yeah. She goes, have him come in right now. This is the second season of Sopranos. They're casting. So my buddy Frankie Ranzulli was one of the writers. 
And he kept going, well, we want you to play the cop. They offer you the cop role, take the cop. You'll have a longer, a long job. You'll, you'll stand out from the rest of the gangsters. It'll be a, a career-defining role. You're not the gangster. You'll go on for a, better, a bigger career, in a way, he told me. And I was like, okay. You know, so I went in. George Ann's like, oh, my God, Louis, we love you. I go up to the room. There's David Chase, Gabe Gandolfini, and two other writers that I knew from where? Fantasy Island. They were friends with the writers there. So they loved me, the writers. So when I got there, the two executive producer writers, Robin Green and Mitch, whatever, were like, oh, my God, Louis, uh, the writers from Gandolfini love you. They're good friends of ours. Oh, my God. They were hyping me up in the room. David Chase was like, so Gandolfini's reading with me because I'm going to read with you. I'm like, I've got to know. I, we, have a, we were friends. We used to go out all the time. He takes the side. He reads one scene. He's like, all right, you're done. I'm like, wow. I just left a failing show. Now I sucked at this audition. My career's over. I was like, okay, I'm probably just terrible. I go downstairs, get to my car. Boom. You got the role within an hour. Nice. They're, they're going to write you one episode. It turned into that whole arc of me and Big Pussy. Awesome. Okay. So by accident, I did a day on that Suicide Kings for $500 for no money. No lines. I showed up enthusiastic and pumped up like I normally do. I'm always revved. That's my energy. I got this all these scenes that got me basically the Sopranos. Wow. Okay, for no money, one day. Don't show up thinking I got no lines. I got no roles. A tiny thing. Shut up. Don't be an actor. If that's yeah. your mentality. Work leads to work. Wait, it gets better. So now I do the Sopranos. I supposed to do one episode. Me and Big Pussy know each other. I know him since I'm 13. I used to hang out at his bar. 13. He just told the story on the on, on the Soprano podcast because I was on the week before he was. Then he went on. The guys were like, Louie was just on. And he was talking about it. But he's like, I know Louie since he's 13. He was a bag man for these gangsters. He used to come and shake me down at the bar that he owned. And we used to. I never went to school. So I used to do. I used to hang out with these guys at 13 years old. Right? Turns out I get on the show with the guy that I've known since I'm a kid. It's like kind of like a weird little, right? circle of, it's like everything was coincidence. If I wanted to do that show, for that movie for $500, Jordan would have never seen me. Okay? I would have, so now I'm on Sopranos because of that role, which was nothing. I made it to something. Now, Sopranos goes, I'm supposed to do one episode, I do 13. I do the whole series, and the arc was insane. People, it was a memorable character, like Frankie Renzulli told me, don't go for the big goose egg, go for the most more important role. You might have 10 lines instead of 10 seasons, but you're going to be memorable, and he was right. So, the show goes, I get off the show, Sopranos, I do 13, I go do two more pilots, so I forgot, one for Judd Apatow, I did with John Favreau directed, then I did another show, then, about two years after that, I get a call from the creator of 24, and he's like, hey, Louie, come on in, I go, okay, I go in, he goes, man, I just watched the season of you on Sopranos, and I love you on that show, I want to put you on our show, you got to do one, again, we do one episode, I was like, are you kidding? He goes, you're going to play something really different. So if you ever seen my role on 24, have you ever? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I remember. I've been yeah. sad guy, yeah, the quiet, yeah. crying all the time, really. It was the opposite of Sopranos. Sopranos, I was like, fuck you, pussy, I'm going to kill you. Mobster's going to die. And on 24, I was like, oh my God, crying. So it was a total opposite role for me. I'm still a cop. What Frankie said, you will get a bigger career. I do. I supposed to do one episode. I did 48. I did 24. And then 50, yeah, 39 episodes I did. Wow. With one episode. Now, remember, that's coming from Sopranos, which got what I which started with the $500 one-day roll. Went to that. I did that. They saw that. So I got a massively entire career from the $500 one-day roll. Because George Anser, the guy loved me on Sopranos, uh, Joe Cernow, on 21. And that's what got me two, two of the biggest TV series in history was that one day with no lines, no money, no nothing. If I would have turned it down being an arrogant, I don't want to do that. I said, I said, yeah, I'll do it for a friend. And it turned out my enthusiasm with Leary meshed. People loved us. He mean it became friends. And it was like, wow. So no lines one day turned into two major biggest TV series in Korea. And, and then I was doing Entourage because I started out with Doug Allen. We all started in 93 together from the Among Trends. We were all buddies. So that's how I got Entourage. So in between 24, I would do an episode of Entourage. And as I did like four or five episodes of Entourage playing Turtle's cousin. Right? Again, all started from one day on that Suicide Kings that they liked me and it propelled into two or three series later and an Emmy. We were on the Emmy stage. The, one of the highlights of my career, not of my life, but of my career, because always it's going to be my daughter being born. It's a highlight of my life. Highlight of my career was being on stage at the Emmys 
We won the Emmy for Best Drama. We're all on stage, and we beat out Sopranos. And who's in the front row going ballistic? Gandolfini, Michael Imperioli, David Chase. Go, Louie! And I'm like, on stage with the, with, with the whole cast of 24. That's awesome. <laughs> My dudes are cheering me on from Sopranos. And I'm like, we beat them. We beat them out. Yeah, but here's and the... I was sitting there going, career moment, defining the pinnacle moment of your career. Like, this is it. I mean, it was just amazing. And again, you know, you show up with one episode, but you show up, I show up, I always show up enthusiastic. And See, but I that's the key. That's the key is, is you're enthusiastic, you're passionate, you're, you're a likable guy. People like you. They want to work with you again. That's what you do. I mean, listen, I, I, my role on Who's the Boss was a, was a guest star, you know, and it turned into, you know, four years reoccurring on the show, you know, because I went in there, I was professional. They like what I did. They, they kept, wanted to keep me around. That rubs off on who you're working with, and people want to deal with people, you know. And that's what I tell young actors. Again, we're going to go back to the, what we what we tell young actors is: if somebody tells you there's not a lot of lines, you're going to do one day. If you don't take that, unless it's a role that you're totally against for your religion, your belief, or whatever, okay. And as an actor, you're going to get a million things thrown at you. You got to just either say yes or no. But if it's a role and you're just not taking it because it's too small. Quit acting. Quit. I'll tell every actor that. Take what you get. Unless it's something that's against, again, your religious beliefs or you have a, you know, just say it's like a rapist and you have a wife and daughter and you don't want to do that. I've turned down roles like that. I won't play a child molester. I won't play a rapist. I just don't think that's right. I don't like it. So this role, this time I said no to those. I don't care how big the role is. That's just not what I believe. I have a daughter. I don't want my daughter watching me do that on TV. Right? How old is your daughter? What? 14. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. So anyway, so now the 24 goes and I'm like, wow. It's like as soon as 24 ends, I get to go back to New York and write, direct, and star on this movie called Doughboys. And I put all my buddies in it. Mike Starr again, Andrew Keegan, Jimmy Mario, all these young New York actors. I shot in the Bronx. I made this movie. So again, the, I'm supposed to be a comedy. I shoot all these scenes. And then I realize, wow, I'm not funny. <laughs> like, I'm watching the movie so we submit the comedy one to like 15 festivals right nothing cricket cricket and I go guys I'm just not funny and usually I'm, I'm, I'm in person I'm kind of funny and funny like I, you know like in my real life but on TV for some reason I, I play all drama look at all my roles they're all serious roles besides very few and I don't play gangsters a lot I play maybe a few so I go okay we gotta do something with this movie here so what we do is we go back, we re-edit, we re-edit, and I cut out all this, the funny stuff. Like at the end of the scene, instead of making it funny, I just made a drama. Three submit to the festivals, 15 festivals accepted it. I won like 10 of them. Wow. <laughs> and I went to every one, a little bit. I, I, I want to see this. Where can I see this? I'll send you a link, you yeah, know. Send me, send me a link. I'd love to watch it. Yeah. Again, we, the, the film that we thought, instead of me being discouraged and just going scrapping that film because I didn't think I was funny, I just went back and I redid it. I believed in something there and I redid it. And it turned out to be a massive film for me directing. And it turned out to be a huge festival film that was, you know, that took my career to the directing side and the writing side. And I put my friends in it so you're comfortable, you know, working with people. And yeah, so, that, so I've written and directed two or three films, but I try to tell people, young actors especially, don't turn down stuff. Brings better stuff to that little role. Bring your side, what you want to do. If the role doesn't look right, the role isn't your... Like I told you earlier, right? I would submit for everything. When I was 15, it would be like, you know, 30-year-old, 50, 150-pound, you know, muscle guy with semi headshot. Again, and I, in acting, they, everything changes. That's how I got on Judd Apatow's show. I did a pilot after Sopranos for Judd Apatow. My buddy was a writer. And I did Sopranos, and then Judd was casting this show called Life on Parole. And John Favreau's directing it. And my buddy's like, just see Louie. He's like, Judd's like, I can't, man. I'm really busy. Judd. And the guy, the writer, the writer's like, oh, but just meet him. You don't have to audition. Just say hi to him. I go. I meet Judd. The next day, I was starring on the show. I was the star. I was the parolee who gets out of jail. I'm a crack addict. <laughs> it's a comedy. So that was one of the funny things. And I ended up doing this pilot for Judd by the guy meeting me one moment. And again, that's how a lot of my career goes. Like you do one episode, turns into 20. Do wanna, and, and I try to tell people, believe in what you do. Never, never, never quit. Young, act, young people in business as well. 
I don't give a, I don't care if it's Hollywood or you're opening up a pizzeria or some business. Passion, knowledge, enthusiasm will carry you. You know what I'm saying? Never, never quit. Never listen to, and, I, and people go, I tell people, don't listen to your mom, your parents. Oh, uh, most of them are looking for a different life for you. You know, some of them want to do stuff that you don't want to do. Let me right? ask you a question. Have you ever had, you know, the acting business, it's not all you know, glamorous and what people think it is. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a grind. It's a hustle. It's a roller coaster ride. It's a feast of famine. One day you have a series, next day you're, you're unemployment, you're collecting unemployment, trying to find, get an audition. Have there been times in your career where you've said you thought about quitting or you went like, well, what am I doing? Or Absolutely ever- not. Never quit. I'm not a quitter. I would open up a business. I still try to do other things. But to me, I'm an actor. I love acting. Now I'm into the side of directing and writing and producing, which is going well. You know, but I never, ever, ever, ever had that thought of quitting. What else am I going to do? Go back to the Bronx and be a gangster? You know what I'm saying? Why, why, why acting? What is, what does acting do for you? I don't know. I just, it just, I just love it. I've known, I've known nothing else. I've never listened to me besides the Javits Center, which wasn't really a job because I would go back there, you know, when I was off for the act at Hollywood and, you know, when Hollywood shuts down every February, I mean, for Thanksgiving, it's uh, November, December, January, Hollywood would shut down. Remember in the past? Sure. I would go to New York. I would work, my uncles were the bosses. I would work at the Javits Center, make five, 10 grand cash and then go back to LA. But I never, ever thought of quitting. It would be nothing that made me quit acting. I never understood why. I never had anything else to do. I've never done anything else in my whole life. So as a kid watching the art couple at seven years old, that was just my fire. My fire. I found my passion. I found my niche. And even though all the coincidences that made me successful, I just would never thought of anything else. Do I want to open businesses in the midst? Of course. But I never said, oh, I'm not going to act. You know, now that I'm older and I, I don't really want to, like, not not do it anymore, but I don't want to chase this hustle as much as I used to when I was younger. You know what I mean. As you sure. get older, certain things you prioritize. My family's more important. You know, Absolutely. like I I actually just did a recurring role on The Rock's show last month. The Rock has a new show coming out about his life story on NBC. And, bro, I'm sitting home, and sometimes you don't work for a year or two, and this is one of the periods. You don't work for a long time, right? You go, okay, I haven't worked in a while. Out of nowhere, two months ago, I got a call from uh, the people at NBC and The Rock's company. And they're like, hey, The Rock wants you to recur on his show. I was like, what? The Rock? He's doing an NBC TV show. It's coming out on February 16th. They were like, yeah, he wants you. He, he loves you. I was like, they were like, the showrunners love you. I was like, really? My agent's like, yeah, go for your COVID test. And then you're going to Australia. I literally just got back from Australia. So I go, I go, really? this was two months ago. I mean, I go, my, you know what they do with our health benefits to get our better. And I was like, I wasn't going to make my health benefits this year because what they changed all the rules and stuff. Sure. And I have a daughter, you know, I got stuff going on. You know, whatever you get, you need this stuff. Absolutely. And, and I'm thinking, wow, I haven't hit my, made my health benefits. You mean now $29,000, whatever, some big number now. But I don't know where. They're like, fly, this was, okay, you're going to fly to Australia. You're going to quarantine for two weeks. You're going to shoot a week. You're going to shoot three episodes in one day. And you're gonna fly back. I was like, okay. I went. I got a COVID test. I'm like, okay. Where's my audition? Where's no audition? No meeting. I didn't meet anyone for three weeks. When I got there, I didn't meet anyone. I show up on set that day. I met everyone that one day. I shot three episodes in one day, and I left. And I came back, and I got my help out of it. I got Christmas money. So it was all kind of like, wow. Out of nowhere, no audition, no meeting. So now I'm on an NBC show that's coming out next month with the Rock. That's amazing. Amazing. And I was sitting there going, okay, this is surreal. And I'm like, I don't know, I see the commercial. And I'm like, you know, you're blessed. Some way God's looking out for people. You'd start, you know, if I would have said miserable and wanted to quit, I would have never got it, you know. But even if you don't work for a year or two and things are hard, I always still hustle, no matter what. Hustle every morning, every noon, every day. And I'm 53 and I've been doing it since I'm seven, eight, ten. I'll show you headshots. So let me ask you, when you say you hustle, what is that? What does that entail? Every day, just meeting people, trying to like do things, trying to communicate whatever little network I have. You meet people, you know people, people just, you have an agent. My agent really, you know, you don't really do anything for you. You got to hustle. I make so many relationships and friendships that, you know, I would look through the breakdowns years ago and go, hey, I know this writer, I know this director. Can you submit me? Just mention my name. And that's how I got a lot of jobs in the past. I would go through the breakdown, send them to my managers and agents. I go, hey, look, this I know these people. Mention my name and 
I've gotten roles like that, hustling. Always, you know, you know people that are doing projects. Hey, you need me any of this and that. You know how it is. Yep. And that's what I've constantly Relationships. Do, but, relationship. But now the business is shrunk. The business has gotten harder. So if you're a young actor now, it's a lot harder to get an agent or a manager or anything. What you need to do now, if you're a young actor or producer or writer, is you need to go out and you need to shoot your own stuff. You have to. You have to. I don't care if it's a if it's a short film, if it's a, it's a skit, it's whatever it is. You need to get a camera and you need to go with your buddies and 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 instead of you know whatever, you need to go out and just shoot stuff. Maybe hopefully one day something sticks, and that's the only way you can really get into the business these days. You know what I'm saying? And I actually, I'm going to tell you a story. I created this show in 2000. You know what I said? In 2000, it's 21 years ago. <clears throat> about my life growing up in the Bronx. It's kind of a, a tale about these four kids with no fathers who create this huge drug ring in the Bronx. It's all true. It's all real. It's all true. Okay? I've been pitching it since 2000. <laughs> Heard that? Yeah. Two years ago, I met with MGM, and I always pitch it. Enthusiasm. Oh, it's coming around. People, yeah, yeah, it's great, great. Boom, boom. Now, it's at MGM Studios. We just signed a massive showrunner. We're about to go out and pitch it next month. I would be the creator and executive producer. Wow, congratulations. MGM like, and thank you. And MGM is like, wait a second. You've been pitching this for 22 years and you still show up here with every show that comes in. Everyone's so enthusiastic. Like you just wrote it yesterday. But that's my passion for stuff. That's why you say, can you ever give up? Absolutely not. I've been pitching this show for 21 years. It looks like a reality now. We sure. literally find a massive showrunner. We're going out next. In March, we're going to every network, everywhere. There's already people that are interested. And it's a young kind of crime drama, not like a Sopranos, but more like young kids who have no body bound together, become a strong family. And literally 46 of my buddies got arrested. And they all did, when I went to, when they went to jail, I became an actor. And then they watched me on Sopranos. You're the cop. Oh, my God. And I would get all the calls from the prison room because my grandfather did 30 straight years. So I would get all these calls from prison. Louie, you're the fucking cop. Oh, my God. You're the cop. Because, you know, my life was a street kid. Yeah. And, and, and you were. And, you know, that's, and I created this show, and all of a sudden, 22 years later, of nonstop pitching, nonstop believing in it, now it's hopefully it's going to be done. New York. So, yeah, Why? Because you like, never gave up. You never, never gave, gave up. up. Never gave up. And that was a question what you said. Did you ever think about quitting? Never. Never. Let me ask you, what advice would you give to, if you could go back and talk to the younger you, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, man, like, be more patient. Be more patient. Let things happen organically. You know, sometimes I don't know. I've had a great career, so I can't. I don't have any regrets. But be more patient would have been it. And you know, just with stuff, not even acting, just in life. Life leads to your career, no matter what you do. Right? Your life leads to your career. If you're a stockbroker, if you're a business guy, whatever your life is, that's going to lead to your career. I would say just being more patient. Coming from the Bronx and Brooklyn, you know that you're 100 miles an hour. You know, you're like a pit bull, right? And sometimes. It kind of it kind of propels you in the wrong direction. So I would say be more patient. And this is my biggest thing: never, never, never quit. Never, never, never listen to anyone. If you truly believe in yourself, do it. You fail, fail on your own, right? Amen. You know, <laughs> you know we come we come from neighbors where everybody's like, ah, you gonna do that? What's wrong with you? You're an actor. What's an actor? You're like, what do you mean? What's an actor? Now you pay to watch me. That's what an actor is. Yeah. You know, and I tell people that who never believed in me back in the day. I had a lot of naysayers. When I go back now, they're like, bro, my man. I'm like, you would have want to tell me to quit. You would have want to tell me to, to not do it. I say it to people. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. But I don't say it negatively mean. I say it like in a realistic way going, now you're my fan. So the naysayers become fans. True. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, like I said, man, a lot of young actors kind of get discouraged immediately because the business is so hard. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I had a guy that was looking for me. Run, I was running the streets, you know, 16, 17, whatever. Yeah, I was in fear for my life. Let's just say that. There was a, there was a lot of violence and stuff like that. And I was on the lam. I, I was hiding out. I moved out. I moved to Syracuse, New York, when my sisters were going to college. Because I, you know, I thought I was going to get whacked. I didn't think I'd make it to 18 years old. 
And then I, I, you know, I came out to Hollywood and I, and I was on, you know, I hit TV, I had my own series. And then I was on Who's the Boss and whatever. And I remember coming back and I, we were, we went out, we, I, we were a crew of guys. We went to Peter Luger's, had steaks. We went up to Webster Hall. We were all hanging out, whatever. I, had all my, I, I used to sell, I had 20 dudes selling weed from Webster Hall for me when I was, <laughs> that was my big thing. I, I had all these weed guys and I was selling weed at Webster <laughs> Hall. It was my hangout. I probably bumped uh-huh. into you 20 times. So, so here I am, I'm at the club and whatever, long story short, I see this guy, this guy that we had a beef and I, I'm thinking we got a beef. It's not over. It hasn't ended, whatever. And he sees me, he goes, Billy, he goes, what's up? I see you on who's the boss all the time. Like all of a sudden he's my best fucking friend. Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, I had pulled a Heineken bottle off the counter, (laughs) off the bar because I was ready to smack him in the head if something was going to go down. They said Followers, yeah, right? now he's a fan. So you know, <laughs> listen, all those, all those naysayers, all those people that laughed at me, told me it couldn't be done. It motivated me. It drove me. It drove me. Drove me. Drove me. You know, to, you know, you know what really motivated me. I lived in a house with five guys. Frank was one of them, and they were Strasburg graduates. You know, all of them were Strasburg actors, college theater groups, and and again, I was this kid who never spent a second in acting or film school, and I lived in a house with all these actors who did all this acting training, and they'd be like, "Yeah, Louis." When we become successful, we'll look out for you. We'll throw you some bones. And I used to be like, really? My famous line is, you'll, they'll tell you till today was, let's see who's wearing five years. Because you might have more talent, but my heart supersedes all of you together. My determination, my heart supersedes every one of your acting degrees. One of your per- and, and again, you know, a lot of, like, growing up in the streets, you, you have a lot of adversity. You have a lot of, a lot of rejection, a lot of fight. I was so blessed for that street life growing up because when I got to Hollywood, it's 10 times worse. The deception, the fight, the grind, the death. So when I got here, it was easy for me and a mentality going, I don't give up. Like, I'm not going to get shot. I'm going to get told you're not got this role and I'm going to leave. So <laughs> I, went in, I always went in. My, my acting school was my confidence with everything in life, with, 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 with every single thing in my life. I could walk in a room with a thousand people. I don't fear anything. I don't fear, you know, my thing is, oh, you know, like I, I love that. I thrive on that. Yeah. So these guys didn't have that, but they had degrees. So their mentality, their tough mentality they've never had was their reason for failure. And I would watch them. Like they'd be in the house. I'm reading my lines. Don't talk to me. I have an audition next week. I'd be like, next week. And they would laugh at me, my buddies. They'd be like, how do you get all these roles? You smoke weed. You don't even read them. You go out all night. I'd be like, because I don't think it's so serious. I make it organic. I make it fun. I want it to be, yes, prepare, but make it fun. Yeah, don't well, go in. You know, that's don't go in. When I need this, I, I have to, you know, ah, you know? I got to get my insurance. I got, you can't go in desperate. You got to go in there and have fun. I mean, that's the key to have it. You go fun. in there. You, you're passionate about it. You love acting. Guess what? You get to act. You have an audience. Go in there, have fun, play. Right. You know, bring the character into the room. Show them who, who the character is. Change their mind. That's yeah. the key, the, the, the big key. And I know a lot of actors that they have long, long IMDb list of credits and stuff like that. But they're not acting anymore because they lost the yeah. fun. They stopped they having fun. The right. fun. They lost the fun. So it's in your heart. You're passionate about it. Then you got to go after it like you mean it. You never give up. You keep going after it. And you will succeed. Somebody's going right. to see your talent. Right. You will. Right. Make it fun and you will succeed. Yeah. And you got to believe that. You got to believe and in these yourself. Guys, these guys were so stressed about every role, everything. And they would get so mad at me because I'd be like sitting on the couch, hungover from the night before, reading my lines as I'm watching football. But don't get me wrong, I'm I'm focusing in my way. Yeah. I'm making it fun. I'm making it not stress. Even and I prepare like a mother. Don't get me wrong. I show up. I know my lines. I know my marks. I hit my lines. Know my marks, and I shut the fuck up. And I do my shit. You know, you get me on the thing. It's like having Michael Jordan where every play, me and you are gonna battle in that acting thing. You know, I get on that scene. I'm like, all right. You know, you might look like I'm not paying attention. But when I get in there, that's why I get so many roles that go 40 episodes. Because other actors are like, holy shit. Holy shit, like they start to go, this guy's coming in. You don't know your lines, I will call you out. Yeah. You don't know your shit, I will call you the fuck out. How much you getting paid? Know your shit. I could come here fun. You might think I might, I might show up sometimes. You'll be like, oh, this guy's not prepared. Once you say action, it's like it's like a fucking hurricane. And Love it. even Love now, it. when I did this to the rock show, the people were like, holy shit. Oh my God. Like they don't expect, you know, because I show up like laughing and smiling, people underestimate that. You know, people oh, think yeah. because it, Ding, ding. When the bell rings, you come yeah. out to knock somebody I, out. That's it. I have Mike Tyson every single time I step Love on that. the set. 
and all the time. It don't matter if it's a student film, and it don't matter if it's The Rock's TV show. Ding, ding, ready to fight with everyone. And all these act, a lot of great actors love it, like the Malcolm McDowells and the, the, the great actors I've worked with love it because that's them. Who's your you know? favorite actor? Who's your favorite actor to work with that you've worked with? Probably Robert Downey Jr. He was great. He was such a nice person, such a real actor. Like, he's one of the best actors of our generation. Listen, I remember when I came out to Hollywood in 1985, and I had a, I, you know, I got that, I landed that show, and I had a little apartment on Pass Avenue, and it was a little rinky thing. And, and Robert Pass Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. used to hang out in my little shitty little pad, him and Robert Russell. They had just done weird science. I mean, he you was know. great. He was one of my favorite people. He took me under his wing and I became best buddies with him and hung out with him for two months. And even though he was on a, a, a wrong path at the time, he was the most lovable, respectful, nicest person yeah. I've ever been around with that kind of power. And even though he failed, I knew he'd be a success again because he was so nice to people. Yeah, but talk, you know, about, talk about, you know, not giving up and changing and shifting yep. and getting clean and changing his life. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, his, his, he was, he's a brilliant actor and then he kind of, you know, went off and the drugs kind of, you know, consumed him. And then he, you know, had to go to jail and then he came back and he cleaned himself up. And now, you know, the rest is history, you know, he deserves it because yeah. he's a good person and he's so a great talented. actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite actors of, of our generation. I would say him like lead men, good looking men who can play characters, Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, Robert Downey, Sean Penn. Yeah, these guys that. are, lead, these guys are lead men who can transform when you're watching and go, is that Sean Penn? Carlito's way. Come on, Alito's way, Klein, 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 Come on, with the, with the Johnny Depp playing all these characters he does, yeah, yeah. pirates, the, the fucking Willy Wonka guy. Come yeah. on, Downey playing Downey doing uh, in, in a chaplain to to Geraldo Rivera in Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I mean that guy. You watch him and you just go, "Is this him?" You know. So I love those guys. That's like my crew of guys that I would that I love as actors now. But Downey would be one of the best because he turned it on and off. He'd be sitting in the room all partied up, and they would say, okay, he'd be turning to Geraldo Rivera and that natural monk killed. Oh, and the man, and he'd be like, whoa. And he was just, <laughs> he was just the flow of it, you know? That's and awesome. I'd be like, there's no off button here. This guy's just a fucking boom. I got to go back tonight. I think I'm going to watch Natural Born Killers tonight. Yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen it. Are you lucky? My first movie ever. No union. I'm on the back of the box. I'm in the books. They use me oh. as the promo on all this stuff for the movie. It's amazing. I first anything with nothing. So again, I got lucky on a lot of stuff like that, you know? Yeah, you know, you made your own luck. You got in the you car, you drove, you took massive action. You, yeah. you stay in Brooklyn. You didn't hang out. You know, you said, I'm going to be an actor. Okay, well, good. What do I need? Headshots. Oh, I'm going to get, oh, well, how do you do? Oh, breakdowns. Great. Oh, I'm going to submit myself to everybody and their mother. I'm going to do yeah. student films. I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I got to do to get, you know, to get my foot in the door. I mean, that's what you did. And I love and that, doing and, it. And that's what Crazy. paid off. And you know what, bud? I love doing it. I loved, loved doing it. Like, it wasn't like, this is a chore. I would drive for Thursdays at 12 o'clock and run to the store and get that backstage before they sold out. I would, even now, though, I drive. When I get those auditions, I'm like, and I get those roles, I'm like, okay, okay. And I'll sit in my house. They'll be like, oh, my girlfriend and daughter will be like, all right, dude, chill out. And I'll I'll read, like, now I like, I I can get into it now. Like, when I get some of these lines, I don't take it like I used to. I still, like, I'm not stressed about it. But now I'm like, okay, I'm going to play with this. I'm going to do this. You know, oh, oh yeah. And I thought to get like that, like that panting wolf, you know, even so now, like, he... so I've gotten more, put it this way. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, no. But, but after 30, 40 years of 40 years of doing it, my passion and enthusiasm is still there. Like I pitched that show and it sold. That's still my acting mentality. That do I, do I, do I want to be an actor for the rest of my life? Probably not. Do I want to be a creator now, executive producer, director, and I'll still be on my, yes. Yeah. And you will do that. You will do yeah. that. You yeah, will do so that. Just, you know what? Because you said you're going to do it and you're passionate about it. You're going to go after it like you freaking mean it and that's going to happen. That's I can't great. wait. I Maybe you, when, you, when you land the, the big executive producer on the show, call me and I'll come in up on the spot. Hey, brother. Hey, listen, you're right, man. I'm so glad. I, I, I was watching the show, Gravesend. You know, what, what is it on? It's on Amazon. Amazon, Amazon yes. So it's on Amazon. If you haven't seen the show, watch the show. But I love what you're doing on the show. And I, and then immediately I said, oh, I got to get I got to get him on the show. And I thank you for coming on the show. I, I you I'm know, worried, you, man. And when gotta, COVID ends and you have all your students, if you want me to come in and just chit chat with you yeah. one day in front of a live audience, I would love to. I'd love to inspire. Once the school's open, you're we got to we got to. Yeah, I'd love to have you here. 
Come yeah, teach a class. Yeah, man, we'd have some fun. I and mean, like I said, my biggest thing now is like to try to inspire, you know, motivate and create. I tell people that all the time. And they're like, oh, you know, a lot of people are selfish in this business. And I want to be around people that want to throw the ball around. You know, I, I look at a football team, you know, we win. Without a good receiver, you don't win the game. You got one guy bad on you gotta you gotta play. I'm like that Tom Brady mentality, you know. You don't catch a ball, get out of my way. I'm gonna I'll catch it myself, I'll throw it. You know, like I wanna win. Yeah. And I told that like every time I get on, I wanna win. I wanna win. You well, know, and that's like, yeah. You gotta have that mentality. Isn't that something you go? You got you can't go in this business and give fifty percent, sixty percent. You gotta give hundred and fifty percent. You gotta be relentless in your pursuit. You gotta go after it like you fucking mean it. You gotta make that shit a reality. Look, I love a guy it. like me from Brooklyn, from a broken home, from the streets, can come and make a career at, in, in this business. If a guy from the Bronx that came from where you came from to have the success that you've had, if we can do it, you can do it. Right. So get out what? there and make that shit a reality. That's right. You want to know what I'm most proud of being an Italian-American, a big guy from the Bronx is what? I really never played gangsters. When I go into meetings, I see myself as a neighbor, your buddy, the cop. So when you see yourself as other people will see you as, I tell young actors that. Don't know, because I get a lot of guys now that go, yeah, I want to play the gangster. I go, why? You can play the store owner. You can play the pizzeria owner. You'd be great. What is everything in a gangster role? That's all they want to play. And yeah. I'm like, but I go, think bigger, think bigger. And that's what it has to tell me is not play a gangster. And majority, 90% of my projects, I'm a cop, I'm the neighbor, I'm the buddy. Yeah. I am not gangster, I'm not a big Italian thug, which I am so proud of that a guy like me from the from that world from that life bigger that i kind of broke the stereotypes to play edgar styles on 24 love that you know so that's one of my biggest cracks see in your mind what you see and everybody else will see it in those auditions love that hey brother thank you bill stay safe stay healthy god bless I look forward for this COVID to be over so we can uh, break some bread together. I see you, yeah. got, you, you got you got your food line coming out. I, I want to oh, come over. Yeah. I want to I want to come. Want to want to have a little of that gravy, you know? <laughs> gravy. You get a you get a free pizza for saying gravy and not sauce. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> but you know, but it's funny because that's my life right now. I I see how much passion I have for acting, and I've always had. But food is ten times more. Oh, I love. Man. I'm actually going to Chicago to develop a frozen pizza line at the end of this month with a big awesome. massive company. Yeah, so the food line because I cook every night with my daughter. I, I cook by myself. I, my, I don't. I love cooking. I sit here and I make. Listen, I create. My, that's what me and my son. I got a 14 year old son. That's what we do. Oh, I mean, sure. Last night, you know, he likes these TikTok <laughs> videos. We look at these recipes they have on there. Last night, last yeah. night we we made lobster tails. We made clams casino. I mean, oh, we I had, love it. It was delicious. Yeah. You know what my know what the logo, my, you know what the model of my food line is? Is bringing families back to the dinner table. That's it. People love it. The press loves it. Just like you just said, that just made me more happy than me being on the fucking rock show. Yeah. I, I love. I want parents to sit with their kids. Let's cook. Let's sit at the dinner table. How like we did growing up. Like, sure. Even Listen. though most of them were criminals. We always sat around that dinner table, you know? The, you know, I look at it. I look at, you know, you got to look at what's going on in the world right now, you know, with COVID and everything. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's a, but I look at it as a gift. Really, yeah. it's a, it's a, you got to look for the blessings, the miracles. I mean, I've it truly, when I think about pre-COVID, I think about my, my schedule, my wife's schedule and my son's schedule. You know, I mean, I teach class here all day long and then I'd have class at night and I'd have an hour break to go to some restaurant and eat for an hour and I'd see my family. Now we, we cook all the time. We're home. Right. My wife's retired. She's with my son. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, we, beautiful. we, he's learning, you know, I love to cook, so I'm teaching him, you know, he's going to be a great little cook, you know? And really, it's, that's, it's, you know, honestly, that makes me happier than any movies we've done because that's my whole slogan for the food company. It's not contrived or made up. It's like, Let's bring family back to the dinner table. You know, my problem with today's society is here's an I here's parenting these days, okay? Here's an iPhone, here's McDonald's, shut the fuck up, I worked all day. So kids are wayward, they're eating garbage, they feel like shit, sure. they're watching that screen 24-7, their minds are messed up from what they're watching, they're in, a, in a, messed up from what they're eating, and their parents they have no outlets to complain or cry to their parents. What you're doing is is is, is what I'm setting my company to be. I love what you just said. Your kids on TikTok pulling resumes. You're cooking with them. That to me made my whole day. This whole interview was about. Listen, brother. You know, yeah. It's all you know. For me, uh, it's all about love. You know, 
I love that. Because that, 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 well, that's my food line, and my food line is going to be bigger than my acting career because what you just said. I have no and, doubt. And you know what's great? Most people are coming on going, well, we want our families to go back and cook. I, I get emails and messages constantly from parents going, well, your messages and saying, I just cook. They send me food pictures with their kid in the kitchen. Dude, that's what I want. And I, my, I don't, okay. Well, then we'll, I know you got to go, but this, my food line has a charity I want to involve where I go around feeding kids. Love that. I'm going to give a majority back. Wonderful. Yeah. For me, the greatest role that I've ever played is father. Love, love, yeah. father. You know, I love it. There's nothing of being a dad, and and I want to spread it though to other kids who were less fortunate as sure. us. All right, brother. Well, listen, well, love dude, you. Great to see you. Thank you so much. And when you when your place clears up, dude, we're coming in. Me and you are going to bring pizzas to the kids and whoever you have in your audience. We're love gonna, it. We're gonna bullshit for a little while, and we're going to have a couple of pizzas, and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun, man. It'll be great. That sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Thanks for this right. I love it. You really inspired me with the acting and now with the food stuff even more. And I get revved up. With my <laughs> daughter, but uh, what you just said is what my life is going to be on the next stage. Well, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to see what comes next. I see you out there. I see you on TV. I see you in films. That puts a smile to my face. Because I remember when you came out. <laughs> well, All right, you. brother. Thank you, Billy. And All anytime right. you want, you can call me anytime. You want, you know, whatever you need, just holler. All right. Take care. Got it, buddy. Thank you, Bill. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.